Welcome to The Nooner Show, where we explore the stories of talented individuals who had a wish and found a way to make it happen. They set goals, overcame obstacles, turned setbacks into comebacks. Their stories are unique, interesting, but most of all, they're inspiring. Here are your hosts, Jackie Wallace and Gina Guccini. We have Shelly Smith in the house today. We're going to talk with her later, but if you if you want to join in on our harassing Gina for being late and scaring <laughs> us. Oh, my goodness. And Listen. we have Mike Cormier also visiting, who just launched his podcast show called The Inner Circle. We have an Super in, stu- in studio guest. We have an audience again today. We do, a studio audience. Studio um, audience. Okay, good. I'm glad you're here. You're okay. Yeah, I panicked. I know. This is not like you. I know. Well, you know. <laughs> and my- then you waltz in just like, did you guys see that? Just Looking like. So Sashing, nice. like Looking calm, so like nice. the rest of us. I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm like, where is she? I just have she? to know. Do you have to look professional all day? Or she does. Just, oh, okay. I'll answer that. Okay. She does. Because I'm like, it's a Wednesday at 10 a.m. and just look at her. <laughs> I forget how the outside world works sometimes. I'm like, I'm always like, do I look this normal? This is comedian Shelly Smith, by the way. <laughs> Me and my friend Jackie. <laughs> She'll say whatever you want her to say. Well, yeah. and that's that's funny because she didn't compliment me like that. Just just so you know, <laughs> it's because well, you I were have sitting down. When I got she's here. She's sitting down too. It's okay. No, she's okay. No, she in. does always look Presented. like she's on stage. She looks amazing all the time. Nora was like Thank that you. too. I you know I always felt like the the loser of the. Oh here. my God! Lord. Lord, Nora was the same way. You guys are <laughs> who would like to start our therapy? Session okay, we're no, no, we already had that today uh, on the mm. Inner Circle <laughs> podcast. So, hey, so listen, we, we got together for dinner this past weekend, which um, I don't know if anybody went out this past weekend, but the restaurants were jammed. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hour, okay. two hour wait. Hour and 45 oh, minute wait. And let that. me tell you, when we left my house, I said to my husband, oh, I have a headache, but I was going to be fine because we were going to go. We were going to go and eat. I was going to be fine. The wheels fell off the bus because it was an hour and 45 minute wait. I had already driven about 50 minutes to get yep. to where we were going. And the headache was intensifying. And I am not the kind of person Terrible. that can go without food. So in my mind, I can look at you and you and looked at you and could say, you know, I could look at anybody and say, oh, hi, good to see you. Mm-mm. She was hangry. Oh, oh yeah. hangry. I own it. I own it. I own it. Mm-hmm. I own it. It's okay. Oh, listen, I knew I should have been nicer, but it, <laughs> it is beyond my ability. Yeah, but you said, I have a really bad headache. I'm hungry. Right. I and like, I, oh, and no. I did say. We're trying I, to right. speed it up here. Right. No. And I did say, so everybody just kind of knew to stay away. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have purse food. Yes. You got to have purse food. Exactly. I, well, you know what I do? Does. I do. We oh, said, where were the breadsticks? I know. I always have, I have like hard times. Little, little bars. Oh, no. I always bars. do. I always yeah. do. But we were in a crowded restaurant. Sure, I'm sure. like, you know, last thing I, I just, in hindsight, yeah, I should have ripped out the breadsticks. But mm-hmm. I didn't really have enough for the group. Yeah. I would have had enough for me. And these breadsticks are a fan favorite. So just, there would have been a you small You just act fight. like you're looking deep in your purse for something. You put your head Stick way your head in there. In there. Oh, no. <laughs> Listen. Just eat them. Like, I'm just looking mm-hmm. for my lipstick. But you're like eating your breadsticks. I would have pulled them out. Listen, I would have pulled them out. I should have pulled them right out. Uh-huh. And, and But there would have yeah. been a... A riot with her son, John Paul. Oh no, because that's okay. We would have made sure I would have had to take he, he him wouldn't out. have touched him. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway. the other thing I learned about you, and I thought I knew everything about you, yeah, is that you're superstition. 
Oh, I'm very superstitious. I didn't realize yeah. that. So I didn't know this whole thing. So Gina and I ordered, I ordered a Diet Coke and she had water yeah. at dinner and everybody was toasting because we had a mm, big group. Not everybody. And she would not toast. I said, what's the problem? And she said, oh, you can't toast if it's water. It's bad luck. I've never heard what? that before. I've never heard that. If it's non-alcoholic, you said. So I Non-alcoholic, but especially water. It's bad luck. Really? Yeah. I've never heard that, that before. Where did that come from? Yeah, where did it come from? I, I'm, I, I don't know. It's I just what I've always known. And oh. you know you should always toast with the right hand too, not the left hand. No, you, I oh, didn't yeah, know the, that. The left hand is also bad luck. Oh my gosh. Which I'm intrinsically, I'm, I'm left-handed. So intrinsically, I know. <laughs> in my life. There we go. And I'm left-handed. So intrinsically, I pick things up with the left, but I consciously, I, you know, have to remember to, you know, switch to the right to toast because it's, yeah, it's bad luck. Wow. See the things you learn. I know. This I'm very hangry and don't ask me to toast yeah. with my left hand or water. Or water. Yeah. No. I, tried, I tried to meet a friend for a quick, like, oh, right before her dance class, quick meal in downtown Ann Arbor. And it's a Tuesday at six. We're like, easy peasy. And it turned out it was Ann Arbor Restaurant Week. And it was the first place we went with. They're like, we're fully booked through clothes. Wow. On a Tuesday? On a Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. It was, it, it, I mean, it felt good, but yeah, I realized, right. like, I can't handle a cacophonous, busy restaurant anymore. My tolerance <laughs> for it has plummeted. So you're going like, to have to start going out, like, at 2.45 or something to eat. Yeah. Maybe. Or just, like, I find the place that no one's heard about or <laughs> likes or they used to like it, but they don't go anymore or whatever. Or the health department. Recent scandal. Bad. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> nobody's going to be at that yeah. place. Let's go to that place. It'll be easy to park. It'll be quiet. They'll be, they'll love us. <laughs> You know, it'll be great. Oh, that's funny. But that's actually good, though, to see the restaurants like that. It is. Because they've struggled. It's very good. Oh, yeah. So many of them have closed. So, I mean, yeah, it it stinks to have to wait that long. But you know what? It's good. They need that. Yeah, it is good. It is good. And we had to wait the second place we went to. Yeah, that was another... 45 minutes, I think. It was, uh, it was too you know long. What I, oh, it was, again, yeah. way too long. Because I had said to my husband, I have about five more minutes in me. And then I, That's it. I'm, I'm out. out. I'm out. So. All right. Well, you're here. I'm here. Good. We're ready to go. No toasting today with water mm-hmm. or non-alcoholic. Nothing. Okay. So we have, you heard her. She is funny. And uh, Shelly Smith. So our guest this week is hard to capture in words. In fact, her essence extends beyond time and space. She has wit, a zest for life, and her devotion to books and imagination is something we can all find some takeaways. Shelly Smith is a comedian, musician, event coordinator, and a curious conversationalist. And the founder of the popular podcast, Reads and Weeds. To sum it all up, in the simplest terms, Shelly is a human connector. Everything she does is aligned with her purpose of bringing people together. So sit back and join us and find out more about how Shelly puts herself outside her comfort zone with her mission and her vision. Welcome to the Nooner Show, Shelly Smith. Wow. You made me sound so cool. You are so cool. Were you looking around to see who she was talking about? (laughs) I was like, like looking. Wow, I guess I do some of those things. Oh, <laughs> hey, that sounds like me. Yeah. It's me. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. So, um, you do a lot. Yeah. And it was hard to uh, figure out what angle we were going to take with you. But I think we're going to start with being a comedian because 
to me, I cannot imagine putting yourself out there. I think it's different than being a musician and having background noise or a band to support you or, or just something else on stage with you. I think it's, I, I think it's difficult, but I, I still think it's different than being a comedian. To me, that's like standing naked in front of people. So first tell us about you as a comedian. How did you get there? Okay. So first I'll say that the Michigan comedy scene is so jam-packed and robust and there's a million comedians to the point where I'm like, am I a comedian? Because the the pandemic slowed me down so much, but all these other people started working their asses off, you know? Mm. And so the scene is so vibrant. The Traverse City Comedy Festival just happened this past weekend and every it was, that was brand new and a giant success. And then the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase is coming up. There's a Detroit Women in Comedy Festival. There's Shows every night at Planet Ant in Hamtramck and Go Comedy in Ferndale and Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. And like there's house shows, there's bar shows, there's, I just did a show last Thursday at Supernatural Brewing in Livonia. They do a monthly show. I mean, so the comedy scene is so, so vibrant that when, when I like call myself a comedian, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, am I? (laughs) But it's been a long, long time. So Really, I wanted to, it was, this was a long time ago, probably 20 years ago. I wanted to do something with creative writing. And then I realized like, I went to some academic open houses at U of M and thought like, oh, I don't want to sit around and talk about material, like, you know, talk about writing all the time in an academic way. I want to write something, love writing it, and then share it with somebody else and see if they love it too. And I realized the quickest way to do that is like, stand up. And then, it, and then I took a little class and the class had a graduation show. A lot of people do this. They go take a community college class or Mark Ridley's and Royal Oak has classes. There's a lot of people that do classes. And then you have a graduation show and you start learning how to get on open mics and things like that. And then it's about discipline and showing up like, like a lot of things, just like a lot of things. Prior to all of that, mm-hmm. would you have said you were funny? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think when I think about <laughs> have I always been funny, I remember um, there was this time at our kitchen table when my mom and dad were fighting over this bird feeder. And I don't know if they were fighting about it or he thought it was ridiculous that she bought it, but she loved it hanging outside of her window while she was doing mm-hmm. dishes and she loved the bird feeder. And I went on this rant about like, what if the bird feeder wasn't there and what would the birds eat? And then it's our fault that all the birds are starving, you know, and just the idea that you're feeding birds, like they know how to feed themselves. <laughs> and I did not think much of it, but the whole table's laughing. And I realized like, oh, that was not what everybody else was thinking. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking this, but not everybody's thinking this. And then I realized like, oh, I did that at slumber parties. I did that at high school things. You know, I I did it my whole life. Intrinsically, humor, looking at things with a funny, with in the funny side of whatever, the bird feeder, the the hot dog on the table, whatever, whatever, whatever was intrinsic. Yeah. Who in your, who in your family is funny? Um, well, everybody's funny, even if they're curmudgeons, you know, because sometimes it's right. funny because they're ridiculous, you know. Right. But, like, my brother Joey is really funny. Um, 
I don't know. I always thought we were being silly together, playing together. You know, we were creating it. And then I had some high school friends that were, that were really funny, but I think we're all kind of, we were all kind of trying to make each other laugh to, you know, how families do just to break tension or whatever. Um, so yeah, but I always thought my brother Joey was really funny and and we all kind of were though, I think. All right. Trying to be funny. So you yeah. grew up in a in a funny household. Oh yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. That was supported. Humor um, was supported in your household. Humor looking was supported. At differently. Yes, yes, I would say so. Yeah. Um yeah, that's an interesting question because I didn't really think about doing it until college and didn't do it till way after college, way after college. Right. But in college, when I started talking about it to my friends, it was not supported. They were like, oh, if you do comedy, people are going to think this and this about you and it'll be, it'll suck. Like their fear landed on right. me because I was a theater major and I was like, mm. why? Okay. You know, why, why would it be so horrible? Like, I don't, I don't understand, but it was already a desire back then, but right. I didn't take any action on it. So no how much time passed from college to when you did finally take action? Oh, probably like 11 or 12 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what was the, what was the, the tipping point? Like what? Um, the, okay. So I had done this super intense door to door book selling job for nine years where I went all over the country, sold books door to door, recruited college students to do it so they could earn money paying for school. And my whole motivation to do that for a lot of people doing that is for money or paying Mm -hmm. for college. But for Mm -hmm. me, I was like, Oh my God, the stories you go, you're going in and out of people's houses all day, and there's these great stories. It is so interesting traveling around the country. So you had a lot of you material cr- creating so, content. It was, it was so <laughs> fun. And so then 9/11 happened. I was I was at someone's door, like selling them books, when 9/11 happened, mm. and I did this whole had this whole like six month kind of reevaluation of my life, where I'm like, okay, I've done this super intense job where I worked 80 hours a week and, and was borderline obsessed with this job, and then. It was my whole life, and all of a sudden I felt like cutting ties and trying something completely different. So I made, uh, I remember writing in a notebook like Shelley University, and like I wanted to learn how to sew. I wanted to try stand-up. I wanted to do a job where I wasn't in charge of anything. I wanted to, like, I just rewrote my situation and was like, I'm going to do this for a while. I'm going to quit that life, and I'm going to do this. So I went and sought it out. I was like, I'm going to find a, I'm going to get my grandma's sewing machine. I'm going to find a way to do stand-up. I'm going to take a little, like I planned it out. And then, um, it was, it was scary, but, but not, I immediately made friends. I immediately, it was at, I think that first show was at Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase in its old location. And, um, yeah. And, and it was kind of like, the progression of how I got from there to here was what, what do you love and not love about that lifestyle mm-hmm. was, was what made certain changes for me. Not so much about like comedy. It was, it was more about like the lifestyle. What, what yeah. is it about the lo- lifestyle that you love? Well, so there, it was more about what I didn't love. Okay. <laughs> so, for example, um, I, I love writing and I love like being funny with funny people and being like, oh my God, our brains are happy and we're making all these fun connections. Cause a lot of comedy is like, oh, my brain is so happy that you made, you connected, you know, pigs to ice cream. That's fun. And, you know, I never would have thought of that or whatever it is. And I, that's what I loved. What I didn't love was driving 45 minutes in the snow, 
to wait two hours, to be nervous the whole time and maybe like nervously eating or drinking. So my body's all, and then like you're around other nervous people and then you have five minutes. Oh, wow. To do your thing. And this is the way a, a million comedians are living right mm-hmm. now. Every night, you're just, you, you've already worked, you've already done whatever. Now you're trying to find a show or you're trying to find your second show <laughs> and you're in a maybe a shitty car and you're paying for gas and you're doing all this stuff to do five minutes or 10 minutes and probably make no money, 90% of the time making no money. And, and at some point you have to go, okay, if I'm really good, like if I'm the best, it means I'm doing something kind of like this 200 nights a year minimum, right? And getting paid. Yeah, and getting paid. But do I want to be in a hotel by myself mm. in a small town for three days around mostly drunk people, being super nervous, eating bar food? Like I just had to start thinking about it that way. So, so with all of that yeah. in mind, yeah. what was your next step? If oh. that's when you said, no, that I don't want to spend 200, yes, 200 yes. nights a year. It's doing your own show. <laughs> so I was working at a jazz club and I started the Firefly Funnies, which was, you know, a, a regular show. And I loved I loved that. I've loved like, oh, okay, I want to have this many comedians on the stage and I want to give out little prizes and I want to everybody get a free beer and I want to curate the audience. And how and- did you know how to start your own show, your own comedy show? It's a comedy show, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was the first one. I've done several long runs of shows since then, but that one was at the Firefly Club, which doesn't even exist anymore, but was an amazing music venue in Ann Arbor. And then we had one comedy night a week and or one comedy night a month for about five years. And uh, I was a theater major and I was a sales manager for eight years. So I knew how to run an organization. So you combine those two things. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to, I think you have a way if, because a lot of showrunners do it wrong. You know, I think in, I don't think I'm out of line here saying that every musician and every comedian will tell you that some venues are amazing and make you feel incredible. Right. And others you're like, it's a cluster. There's no stage. Like right. I'm performing in front of a football game. Like right. what is happening right. here? This sucks so bad. Right. You, nobody can hear me. Yeah. The sound system is terrible. You didn't tell anybody that was comedy, you know, so you kind of just go, okay, how do I want this to go? I want people to feel this way. So I've got to be this kind of host. I want people to sign up for spots this way. I want them to be motivated by this. But some people are just, I don't know how I, that's an interesting question. I don't know how I knew to do it. I guess those skills were just already developed in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So they were And it was probably there. based on your own experience too of how you yes, want things. That what, is what true. shows worked out for you that and which ones didn't. exactly true. So yeah, currently yeah. You're, you are hosting... No, that was the first show. The second show was a 10-year run monthly at Ohm of Medicine, which was a cannabis mm-hmm. dispensary in Ann Arbor, right on Main Street. And friends of mine owned it. Um, and we did a monthly comedy show that was just so great because they paid the comedians. The comedi- It was the first, like it was when there just weren't that many dispensaries. That's and an so interesting very place unique. to have a comedy very, it was show. Very, very unique yeah. at the time yeah. for 10 years. And that ended during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So because of obvious reasons, but, um, but that was an amazing like 10 year run. Comedians had a great time there. The audiences were super small, but they were so loving it. And we paid them and they signed the wall and I gave them presents if I could. We gave them a tour, like all that stuff. It was fun. 
And then the the other show that I've run the longest is Fifty First Jokes, which is this yearly uh, show in Ann Arbor at the Arc where 50 comedians do their first brand new joke of the year. Oh, wow. And so we always try to do it, the you know, the first very first week of January so that people... That's interesting. Yeah, are just doing that means that every single joke you hear has they've never, never done before. Oh, that's really which is interesting. super nerve wracking for comedians yeah. on a huge stage. Like, wait, and there's fifty one comedians? No, there's 50? fifty comedians. Fifty comedians. So wow. It's, so it's it, it's it's a cool show, and so mm-hmm. this was our eighth year doing that. Great. So the Firefly Club was five years. Mm-hmm. The the Ulm of Medicine was ten ish years, and then. Um, 51st Jokes, this is the eighth year wow. I think, that we just did, January. So, so you have your 10,000 hours in for comedy yeah, practice. Maybe, yeah. yeah. And um, then improv was in there somewhere, but yeah. So the I think the lifestyle for me is, is more fun mm-hmm. if I can control some of the production and just literally not have to drive and stress out in a bar around drunk people as much. Yeah, That's, exactly. Those were the two health factors right. that which really leads, mattered. Which leads us to your current yes. venture. Tell us about that. Which Wait, one? can I ask one, one yeah, thing though, is... about comedy? We're going to get to the Reeds and Weeds podcast. Okay. But I, before we, because I was thinking about this with how sensitive people are today yeah. in, in the environment with um, everything. It's, it's like, yes. you're going to offend somebody. Yes. How has comedy changed? Like, are you um, careful with, um, what you're going to, uh, what your show is going to be about your topics? Well, I don't know if my topics are really, you, you never know what's going to offend somebody. You so really do you think don't. about that today or no? Like, do you worry about cancel? Well, no, because no? canceling itself is going to have to be Canceled eventually yeah. because it's dumb mm-hmm. because it's so close-minded. Right. It's like you did one thing I strongly disagree with. Therefore, I don't believe right. anything else about you. It's like, really? That's mature. Uh, it, it's silly. Right. You know, so I, th- I think it's very silly and I, I, I don't know. So you don't think I about it, it when you're putting well, together your I do, your, but your I material. just don't think of my, my material isn't super political. Mm-hmm. You know, political things come and go. And if you look, but there are jokes I did, you know, 10 years ago that I'd be like, oh, maybe that was insensitive language. And I was just young and stupid, you know, that would never do one of those jokes now. Or, And I think people forget when they hear something that is 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, that at that time, it wasn't considered insensitive. Not to say that it's right, not to say that it's wrong, but... But the but the trend in what was what is humorous or not humorous or yeah. insensitive has changed and right. yeah yeah you know but culture think, has changed. But I think when I think about that, I'm like, twenty years ago, people were super offended. There just wasn't social media yet. Oh, that is true. So okay. it wasn't as easy to just bitch and lambaste all over somebody because because they you're all butthurt over the way they talked about your favorite football team or political person or whatever it's like it is so easy now to attack and tear down someone in the public eye and that just didn't exist there was an opportunity to do that unless you were a writer or a critic Mm -hmm. you know there's just in some publication in some some media publication 30 years ago of course people were super duper offended by all the comedians but they just didn't have a way to bitch about it on mass, right? You know, yeah. whereas now they do, and that can 
basically you've seen comedians get canceled, come and go. Well, that's why I'm kind of surprised when you say that it's it's growing the way it's growing. It's huge in Michigan. It's Hmm. awesome. And there's so many good comedians. And the thing is, is I will tell you, the biggest, uh, uh, what do you call it, editor, check, the check on the comedian population is other comedians. Because I'll tell you what, if you're a booker, like I'm a booker and every year when I book 50 First Jokes, I reach out to a few comedians that I know and respect and go, hey, you guys are out in the scene. Tell me if there's anybody who's just like an asshole or like a misogynist or whatever, alcoholic, whatever, that I don't, there's 50 comedians on that show in a tight space. I don't want some wild card maniac. There's plenty of comedians out there to choose from. And immediately the list starts coming. Wow. We won't have this guy on our show. This guy makes women feel uncomfortable. This guy, you know, called called my mom a racist. This guy is a racist. You know, like people will tell you. Okay. And those people get edited out of yeah. the scene. Mm. I mean, they actually okay. do. So the, if the audience doesn't do it... Yeah, other comedians other will. Other comedians yeah. will. Because that person will only get booked so much before right. people go, wow, he's mean and terrible, or he is really insensitive, or he's not taking our feedback. Interesting. You know? hmm. Because there's a lot of competition, and sure. you don't want to deal with a terrible person, even sure. if he's real funny. Well, you're, you're, you're entertaining, so you're trying yeah. to keep the audience. Not, not and you're trying to keep the vibe good, exactly. too, because yeah. that's not a fun situation mm-hmm. at a show. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So moving forward then to current day, okay. you have a podcast. Yes. Tell us about that. Okay. Tell us about your podcast on our okay. podcast. Okay. Um, this is so fun. You guys are such good listeners. Like, thank you. Like, they look at how they're like turned and nice looking. It feels so nice looking. It's wonderful. You're uh, you know. both very pretty. I was thinking thank about you. your skin earlier. I pulled up a oh. picture of us from from when Piped I did. Up. Yes. Or yeah, team yeah. Money. The other one, the mm-hmm. reeds and weeds one. Yeah, your book. Yes. And I was like, she has fantastic skin. Oh, <laughs> I need to ask you. her about skincare. <laughs> anyway, uh, Reads and Weeds. So Reads and Weeds is a book club podcast where we smoke weed and read books. And honestly, uh, not everybody smokes weed, <laughs> you know, obviously. But it just, a, f- a few years ago, I realized that I was socializing a lot, but my conversations were sort of, surface area mm-hmm. it was like, oh, small that? talk blah, blah, blah. and I was yeah. like I want better conversations like who is good at conversations why interesting aren't better conversations I, mean, I want to start here like deep like yeah you know why what childhood wound are you trying to solve <laughs> or not not what's your favorite Can color you play the harmonica <laughs> like or, or even just like yeah. have you been watching game of thrones bro you know and i can do that for a while right and i'm like i don't right. want to do that anymore so i wanted more time with friends i wanted better uh more focused conversations outside of like a busy place and i was kind of like marinating and praying like what is the little umbrella where I can be funny, have great conversations, read a lot, share my passions, da 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 I want one thing that kind of satisfies those elements. Mm-hmm. And um, a friend of mine was doing a book club. Oh, I think I was in a book club at my church too. And was just like, man, I love this. But I was also in cannabis activism and running the comedy show at Home of Medicine. So I was talking about cannabis all, cannabis all the time. 
and talking about spiritual books all the time. And I was, it was taking up a lot of time. <laughs> so I'm like, I need to put all of that under an umbrella, like talking about weed and activism and criminal justice and campaigns and all this stuff. And also I love to have deep conversations about books because you learn so much. You just automatically learn so much about other people. And so that's how Reads and Weeds started. So I started with a little crew and, um, you know, and it was a club that was moving all along together. And then it became kind of like whoever wants to read with me. Now it's rotating, right? Okay. So there, there have been some like steady cast members over the years, but mainly it's, I want to read something with somebody. What is the thing you love to read? And, and they're like, and we can smoke weed. <laughs> That's kind of, because like, I never wanted to go to one of those book clubs where you drink wine and eat a lot. Cause then I'm sleepy and I can't think straight. And, and then it takes forever. And then the conversation gets derailed. I was like, that's not a satisfying experience for me. I want to get so into the book and so into the conversation that like we could go for hours and then also have liberty to be silly and also have liberty to promote activism and things like that. So is this a book that you you have you personally have read and then you find a group of people to read or you find... Yeah, how do you do it? How do you... Oh, yeah, how great question. You, okay, so I'll tell you what I just did. So everybody knows that I do it now. So sometimes I'll reach out to my little group of people that like to do it on a regular basis and I'll be like, hey, I've got March and April four shows coming up, you know, anything you're dying to read. And a lot of times people just start going, yes, we need to read like the next four or five are things that people just say. Like if, if you said, oh, you know what? My favorite book is Leave Your Shit Here, the journal. Oh, I've right? heard of that book <laughs> by heard- Jackie Wallace and Liz Reed, by yeah. the way. Mm-hmm. And that you can buy on Amazon yeah. all like, over. Like let's say someone all says, oh media. my gosh, have you heard about that new book by... <laughs> Jackie sure. Wallace called Be- Beyond the Wall. Behind the Wall. So behind yeah. the Wall. Oh. Yorg about was. About tea money. Yes. Yeah. So Yorg was talking about it. And I said, hey, Yorg, have you read it? Do you love it? Could we get the author on? What's the deal? And Also he goes, available on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, ladies. <laughs> yeah. I'll just plug. leave now. Keep going. <laughs> so I said, Yorg, you know, let's, let's do a reads and weeds. And so I'm like, I ordered the book. Yorg set it up. We went to the studio. We, we talked about it there. So it happens like that. Like somebody, Perfect setting for Team Money, by the way, the, it was the so weeds great. part. <laughs> it was so great. And then um, a friend of mine who is uh, getting her master's in psychology wanted to do The Body Keeps the Score, which Mike might know because The Body, mind, the body Keeps the Score. Have you heard mm-hmm. that? So um, The Body Keeps the Score is coming up. I heard a author interview with Frederick Bachman, who is, who is fantastic. And we just did anxious people. Um, that's the last one I recorded Uh, me and my boyfriend right in December did the mad magazine. (laughs) Like we've done so many things, but basically it's like, here's this fun thing I want to read. Uh, can we read it on your show? So a lot of times it's people just going, have you done this yet? Would you be interested in talking about this? And, and other times it's me reaching out and going, you guys, i I want to read something that's just a fun novel, you know, just let's just do a fun novel. So then we read it, we plan the recording, and um, I try to do two a month. We record usually live at my house unless we do Zoom for some reason. And um, yeah, and we just talk about the book. And sometimes we involve what are we smoking, what's going on in the cannabis industry, or why are you interested in that also, anything like that. But mostly it's about the book. Mostly it's about the conversation and the other person and what we're learning. How many books have you read? 
Um, we've recorded like 92, I think. Wow. I think we've recorded 92, but three or four got lost because that something happened with like the Skype end of mm-hmm. the thing in the studio or wow. one of the channels was messed up. So we've done three or four that didn't. Get, so probably we've done like 95, but I think there's 91 on that's services. That's a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Just, that's not all the reading. That's just the... The reads and weeds recordings that I've done. Oh, wow. So, so I just how many read all the time. You do? Yeah, I just read all the time. In any particular genre or you just... Um, <clears throat> no, no, I love, I love, um, like, I got I'm going so blank right now, but like this year we did a book called Worth the Fight, which was a man talking about his sort of spiritual healing through psychedelics. Mm. Um, and that's a, that was great. Mm. And then... We've done, uh, like we did Mad Magazine. <laughs> you know, Mad Magazine is this super old school, you know, yeah. co- was comedy. It, yeah. That was mm-hmm. great. It's great. Like, it's the only magazine with no no ads, and that always fascinated me. And so just you can, so they could always say whatever they wanted. They could get away with anything. And it's, yeah. it was dirty and gross and weird and irreverent and all that. And so me and my boyfriend go through and do all the voices and everything, and that's fun, which is ridiculous. Anxious People was a novel. Um by the Swedish author Frederick Bachman, who did A Man Called Ove, which was a Swedish film, and now it's an American film called A Man Called Otto with Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. And that's just a great book about, like, really human characters, funny, sad, smart, da-da-da. But we've also done... Um, my friends on the podcast, like, uh, are have been authors. You know, mm-hmm. my friend okay. did his memoir of... Traveling across the country in the seventies, hitchhiking. So oh, a wow. large variety, a huge a large, variety. Yeah. Plays, yeah, original genre. plays, Shakespeare, everything. What's what's in your future? What project? Anything you would like to share with us? Um, new project? Something you're working on? Something on that list that you? Oh yeah. Um, well, we've got you know. I usually do. I've got two uh, two books a month for mm-hmm. the next four or five months, and then the rest of the year we'll kind of plan itself out as I figure out what I want to read. And then I'm doing a little little stand-up thingy um, tomorrow night at a... Bol- there, there's a regular show in Royal Oak called the Bolero... At the Bolero Bowling Alley, I guess is what mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. in Royal Oak. I've yeah. never been. But my friends who are amazing in this scene, Jason and Robin Gillerin, they have hard G comedy. And uh, they produce shows all over and we're just involved in the Traverse City Comedy Festival. So it's her mother's 86th birthday. Oh, wow. And she's going to do a set at Bolero. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. It's oh, a, how fun. There's a little showcase and then there's a little open mic, whatever. And I'm just trying to get back on stage more. So I'm doing that. And then um, I am working on bringing a friend of mine from New York that I try to bring in every year, John F. O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I try to bring him in, you know, once a year to do, because he's a headliner. He used to be on a TV show called Redacted Tonight and headliner around the country and all that. And so my next thing is there's a couple little tiny theaters around that I would love to book him at that aren't traditionally comedy clubs and put on a real curated show that way. Um, And then my goal this year, like my New Year's resolution, was to just only be involved in excellent shows. Right, Mm. I don't have to be involved in Every show, I just want to be on. That's a good really, goal. really well run show. Right, shows. that's like, really good. Because sometimes I'll look at the scene and there's mm-hmm. so much going on, I get FOMO. Like, oh, why am I not in that and that and that and that? It's like, well, 
because I would be super strung out. Sure. And yeah. Yeah. How can people find you? Your your podcast is available on all listening yes. platforms. Yes. And the name of it is? Reads, R-E-A-D-S. Reads and Weeds, so W-E-E-D-S. When people are done like subscribing and following the Nooner Show, they can like yes. subscribe and follow your yes. show. One, and, last, one yes, last thing. Yes. So for people that are listening today yeah. that um, get... Um, deal with self-doubt or um, the fear of putting themselves out there and whatever they're going to do, whether it's starting a business, whether it's getting an entertainment, um, starting their own podcast, Mm -hmm. what is one action step that they can take to get comfortable being uncomfortable? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I say uh, it's, it's this silly phrase called lose your cool card. It's from the selling books door to door thing. But so many people are so held back because they, there's going to be this moment of humiliating embarrassment. You're going to look stupid and you're going to fail. And, and that does not seem worth it to get to the other side, to the thing you want to be good at. But the more you do it, the more you realize like, oh, you know, I just spilled shit all over myself. <laughs> I said the wrong thing, I messed up, I was late, I burped on the air, like whatever, and you realize like, oh, you're not going to die. But if you don't embrace the hard thing, then everything seems hard. But if you embrace every hard thing, then not much seems hard. So it's easier to go, like if you're doing hard things, things get easier, if you're trying to do it the easy way, it gets harder. Things get harder. That's <laughs> really harder. good. So if you're sitting around going okay. like, oh, I don't want to do that because that's too hard. I want it to just like come to me. It's like, well, then it's going to be hard. Right. <laughs> if right. you do the hard thing, it's easier. So you know? that's so, excellent advice. Lose the cool card. Lose the cool card, mm-hmm. meaning like, oh, if I do that, then I'm going to be embarrassed. It's like, well, who gives a shit? Right. Who are you trying to impress? Right. Right. You're trying to have a fun life. You're trying to keep being cool. Excellent. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you for joining us. They can also find you to finish up. They can also find you on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, yeah. Shelly Smith. There's a bunch of Smiths. That might be hard. But if if you're on Instagram, it's at sillylittle178. We'll leave a link. Leave a little link. link. Oh, my God. That went so fast. I know. It it's time fun. for it's time for our fortune cookie. So we've tossed our fortune cookies, and whichever way the prongs have landed, that fortune is meant for you. Okay, I can't wait. So okay. the things that hurt you in your past have made you a better person, especially with a bit of humor. Your patience will bring you good things with Reeds and Weeds podcast. <laughs> You define your own life. Don't let other people write your script. Oh, wow. Because you are the better writer of your life. (laughs) Oh, very nice. Do not fear change. It's the only way to the things you want at Reads and Weeds podcast. All right. Well, thank you, Shelly Smith. So check out the podcast show and follow Shelly. And if you want to get a good laugh and you like laughing, follow Shelly Smith. Thank you, Mr. Cormier, for sitting yes. in as our Thank studio audience today. Yes, you, and to everybody, remember, sometimes the only mode of transportation available is a leap of faith. Thanks for taking a leap of faith. Have a great week. <laughs>